Welcome to the DMF. I am your host, Justin Yonts, and today is part three of my interview with Amy Manning. Just as a warning, there are some spoilers as we talk about some television shows at towards the end. Enjoy. Tell me a little bit about working with uh, Rhonda Shear. God, I love Rhonda. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's too much to say. She is an enigma. There's nobody like her in the world. Um, she's on fire. No age defines her ever, nor will it. Yeah. Uh, she's a, a role model. I, I, I just find her I, I like glory. She's a glorious human and she's enigmatic to me. Like it's, there's nothing that will stop her. Nothing, nothing. And mm. they told her she couldn't be, she was, too, you know, way back in way back when I've said that so many times today, um, that she was too pretty to be funny. Like she was too pretty to be a comedian yeah. and she just did it anyway. And, you know, her story about when she, she was interviewing or she was, um, sorry, she was in the casting room for, um, up all night for yeah, USA. And, uh, yeah. she thought she was never going to get it. And all these, she's what, you know, watching everybody come out and they all had the same look, you know, and she was like, screw the, you know, if you could hear her talking, like just screw yeah. that. So she goes in, in the bathroom and she gets a, um, a hairdryer. No, no, she didn't go in the bathroom. I'm sorry. She goes into the, I, I might be getting it a little bit wrong, but I'm trying yeah. to remember it exactly. But she, I think she goes into the audition room, puts the hairdryer on and blows it in her face while she's talking. <laughs> just, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. Um, and she, she, she's the host. I mean, she got it. She, she acted. Wait, so pretty, she brought that into the audition room when I'm she was pretty sure I'm, tr I might be oh, getting it wrong, cool. but it was either she did it on a tape or she did it in the room. I need to up all night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's, yeah, that works. <laughs> I think, I think she did bring it in the room, but now I'm like, my brain is in a fog. Yeah. She did something crazy. I'm pretty sure this, I'm pretty sure she brought it in the room. And did yeah. the hairdryer while she was talking, but that's just the kind of stuff she does because she's crazy. She doesn't care yeah. about what you think about her, or what you tell her she can't do because she'll do it anyway. And the woman who <laughs> did everything her own way—I mean, she got married. She married her high school sweetheart after the age yeah. of forty. Started her business after the age of forty. She—they told her she wasn't. She was too pretty to be funny. She was a stand-up comedian. She hosted up all yeah. night for years and years and years. Um, major, major, major people, you know, on up all night, she established yeah. relationships with, she has the best-selling bra in the world, in the world. I mean, she's a mogul, um, on HSN, amazing woman. Um, if you haven't had her on your show, you should talk to her. Yeah, I'd love to. I would, yeah, I would love to talk to her. She seems interesting. She's I would love to. I mean, yeah, I know her from the up all night thing. You okay. Know, so. Okay. Um, I'm a professional wrestling fan, so they would advertise her all the time. And I think they actually had her on, um, a company down South, uh, called WCW. She was actually on, I think they had her do something on the, uh, the company. So like, as soon as I saw the name, I was like, okay, I'm going to ask her about Rhonda Shear. <laughs> She's so great. Um, I mean, I, I love the fact that she just went in there with the audition, just took the the hairdryer thing i'm pretty the scary sure thing is an actor will hear that and then they'll be like oh well then i can't feel it's like yeah there's there's a line to 
doing, you know, doing something like that. You know, like I, I love yeah. like talk to casting directors and they'll be like, yeah, we had one guy who brought in a gun, you know, so he's oh. like, it's not loaded. It's like, yeah, no, don't do no, that. No, <laughs> do no, that. You're not, you're not ever going to get the thing. It's you're, and you're over like, there. It's a great audition, and uh, the police are out back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Officer Smith, take him out. There's somebody that uh, said that a homeless guy wandered in, and like, you know, he was like really good. And then we realized, wait a minute, I don't think he's on this thing. He wasn't on the uh, list. He's, he's not on the list. Let's get him out of here. He's probably crazy, you know? So, yeah. Uh, people say it's hard to get an audition. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, this guy walks in. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it is like, yeah, what can you do? Um, talk a little bit about uh, Mia Tallarico. Oh, man. With her. She's lovely. She's in the age where she is um, coming out of being a child Disney star, you know, and known yeah. for a role that she was on for so many years on Good Luck Charlie. And becoming a young lady and and it's it's just been yeah. it's been I've been honored to be a part of you know the the family so to speak as a manager and, and watching that and helping that grow and I feel the weight I feel um I feel the weight of it and I'm honored to be here and I so we're making very deliberate decisions um about yeah. you know social media not going into that too quickly not trying to make a buck you know like yeah um honoring the roles that we accept we've been we could have made some really big films and we turned them down because she's 14 now i mean she, she doesn't need to be yeah. opposite you know uh an 18 year old you know having a yeah yeah know, well, they're, they're like, gonna yeah they sexualized them so young and it's like i mean look yeah. at it you know that spring breakers thing you know it's like as soon yeah. as it comes in here we go miley cyrus now she's gonna do smut you know it's yeah <laughs> so we we're just trying to be really really deliberate and smart that means you know reading every script reviewing everything um we don't have a legal 18 status and she's in school she wants to stay in school she has shifted a little bit from like you know the licensing she's not in the you know, the pets and the guinea pig, she has two guinea pigs, but she mm. doesn't want to do the, you know, the, the pet things and the stuffed animals. Now it's makeup. And yeah. so the 14 is that, that, that's, that's understandable. It's, yeah. You know, at one point you're playing with Barbies. Now you're right. You know. And then you're <laughs> looking at fashion. Now it's makeup, talk phones. Yeah. <laughs> so things are changing, but um, she just accepted a lead role in a film. And we're really excited about American Summer. And um, mm. we're looking at, you know, just how to grow her her business and how to grow her brand and but also to let her be a child. And so that yes. falls on me. Mm. And so I'm kind of remembering, you know, where things were with Paris and and yeah. wanting to look at her trajectory because she can do whatever, you know, whatever she wants. She could be that big, but yeah. she needs to. Her mom wants to make sure, Claire, that we're doing it the right way and that, um, yeah. you know, we just let her be a kid, not grow up too fast. So I was going to ask you a little bit about uh, Casa. Oh, yeah. Do, do um, you want to talk a little Casa bit about is, that? Uh, court appointed special advocates. They um, I've, I've been uh, working with them 
when I was in LA and then I started working with them here in Georgia too. They, they're wonderful, wonderful people. If you don't know anything about them, I would definitely look, look into it. Um, Mm. They're advocates for children in foster care. So when, when children in foster care uh, go into court, they've basically been either, you know, ripped from something familiar from their family, from they're, they're in a really, really emotional situation and they don't have anybody speaking to the judge on their behalf. And that's what court appointed special advocates do. And in some states they're called guardian ad litems. So in LA, they're called CASA Um, In other states, some states, you know, they're called guardian ad litems or gals. And, um, and that has no indication of sex. It's a, you know, you don't have to be an attorney or a male, female, anything. It's just, a, you just go, you're just a volunteer and you have to go through a training program and, and then be appointed by the, by the court and accept a, um, a position with the court. And then you do the research on a case. So you come in just like an attorney and you're appointed to the case and you interview family members, you do mm-hmm. search with everything, you fill out a case report for the judge and the judge looks at you in court, just like an attorney or anything else. I mean, they take your opinion like gold. I mean, because you're speaking for the child and the child tells you that's the goal. They tell you what they want and what, you know, what they're feeling and where they, and then you figure out, is this a good situation? Are they parentified? Are they doing this or what's going on? Do they need a better educational plan or do they need counseling? What, and, and then you advise the judge on their behalf. And it's a really wonderful, it's a wonderful thing. And they're hmm. every kid in the foster care system could have a CASA. That would be ideal, but there's just not enough. There's not enough to go hmm. around, especially in LA County. So you're lucky if you get one. Yeah. Um, so they try to, you know, appoint them in most of the, you know, severe cases, but it's uh it's an, it's an emotional position. But it's also, it's heavy. You know, you've got to put in yeah. the time and the and the and the dedication to it. And um, but the judge, I, there's nothing like it. They actually really, you know, when you put in all the work and you spend all the hours and they really listen to you, it's it's really nice. The judges are the judges in children's court are like nothing I've ever seen. They're most they're the most amazing in any state here in Georgia and in, in California. They have the most um love and patience for these kids. I, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, just amazing, yeah. amazing individuals. But anyway, CASAs serve a, 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 an amazing purpose. And they're something that I think a lot of people don't know enough about. And yeah, so I, I brought Kathy Hilton into that. Um, she was an ambassador for, um, for Los Angeles CASA. And we did a big event there. I um, mm. can't remember if it was like four years ago or five years ago. But yeah, she did. She helped a lot with CASA in LA and um, raising money. And LA needs a lot of help. You know, we yeah. we need CASAs in LA County. It's a huge, huge need. I also saw uh, the Positive Life book that you're that you're working on. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So, um, so my documentary. Friend, my good friend Jerry Hughes is. Um, he was an advertising exec, really successful, working in Minneapolis. And one day goes to a routine um, visit to the doctor on his lunch break, finds out he is HIV, HIV positive. And 
rocked his life, so to speak. And he kind of went down just a, a declination of mental health and um, depression. And when he woke up on the other side, he decided to become an advocate and get his life together and become a global advocate for HIV and AIDS because he realized there's just a lot of miseducation and misinformation. And this was, a, you know, the first global pandemic it was before COVID. So, um, you know, there wasn't anything bigger than HIV and AIDS. And now it's taken an even, you know, an even further step back behind COVID. Um, we've kind of forgotten about it, but it's still there. And there's just a lot of people now living with it because of, you know, drugs like Dovato and um, other things that can just, you know, make it virtually undetectable, the virus undetectable, and people can live normal lives now with HIV. But um, in, you know, third world countries and, and places that have just, you know, a, a different reality than we have here, it's still a huge, huge, huge problem. And And so when Jerry was traveling around the world, he landed um in uh in india was doing had just come off of a project in namibia and africa and he, when he was in india he realized that there these children were just tossed out almost like old school like leper camps they were just tossed and because they were had hiv and and they were left to die and he said something's got to change this is this is not okay so he uh moved out of Minneapolis and moved to Nagpur, India, <laughs> into wow. um, the slums, uh, a word that I'm not, you know, I hate using that word, but that's basically, I mean, it's very, very yeah. disparate. The, there's there's uh, a lot of, you know, extreme wealth and extreme poverty in the same concentrated area in Nagpur. And, um, and so he built over, you know, years, he's been there 20 years now. He's, he built two houses, um, houses of hope and their orphanages, one, one girls, one boys, there's 21 children there now, but he's basically a father to 21 children and they're all affected by um, HIV or AIDS in some way or another. Um, most of them have are orphans and have lost their parents to AIDS. He's just a really great friend of mine. And we've been talking about writing his story and, putting this documentary together for years. And now I thought, you know, that I'm done with Anna Nicole, maybe this is the time. And so I just went over um, last month uh, and spent um, 10 or 11 days there with him and the kids. And, um, and now we're, you know, just putting everything together. So I'm, I'm writing the book and finalizing the production team, you know, to do the, uh -huh. the, um, the documentary, but I just think his story is one that needs to be told and I'm the closest one to it. You know, I know him so well yeah. and he's like a brother to me and it has to be me. You know, I was like trying to find a way yeah. to be me because I'm like, oh, I've got too much to do. <laughs> we always say that, but I need, to, you know, it's gotta be me. And so it's going to be, and we're, we're going to, we're going to do that. And I'm really excited about it. Uh, these children are incredible my life changed last month. I think just talking to them, they see the world through a different lens and it's beautiful. The lens they see yeah. the world through and they are a lot of them living with HIV and, and orphaned and no parents and horrendous, you know, situations in our, in our terms, but they're happy, happy. Yeah. It's, well, it's kind of that, it's kind of that world where if you don't know anything else, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. They, they're just, 
happy to be with that they found somebody who loves them and that they have a place yeah. and that they can eat and they can live and they can go to the mall and you know just things yeah. that they 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 love their life with Jerry they love it and I don't how, know how is the how is the writing going you said you're you're writing the book yeah um I'm I don't know <laughs> this is a recurring <laughs> theme recurring theme that I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I've not yeah. written a book before, but I'm, yeah. I'm so I just jumped in. I'm jumping in and I'm trying to, you know what it is? There's a weight when you feel like you're telling your friend's story that you want to yeah. get right. I'm supposed to be him. You know, I'm ghost writing, really. I'm not, I'm not but right. That's, but that's good because you have an added pressure. And from everything we've learned from you throughout this interview, you're going to, you're going to rise to it. So. You'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm glad you think that way. Thank you. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to figure it out. I'm, we'll I'm pretty certain because you have good intentions and you're right. The story should be told. And you also want to do a documentary with it. So yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think it's great. What would you like to do that you haven't done yet? <laughs> God, I want to, I want to produce some more shows and get some mm -hmm. more things on television. I just, I feel like, you know, with this writer strike and impending possibly SAG after strike, like think some things need to change. Like, and some, you know, we can all we can all sit on aside and complain. And I, and so I don't want to do that. I, I want to just say I'm hopeful that I can do the things that I want to do. I think there are always challenges, but just like Reese Witherspoon does, you find another way around it. You feel like there aren't roles. You go make the roles. You feel like there aren't, there's not a way for you to get here. You go make a way. You, you try another way, try a window, try another door. And so yeah. that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm, you know, in my recurring theme of, you know, failing till you make it and just busting in and just trying whatever it takes. That's what, kind of what I want to do. I just want to, I want to get there and make, tell more stories. I really yeah. do I just want to tell more stories and, and be successful in another lane. I want to really go hard into the producing lane if I can. Um, yeah. Uh, but I'm, you know, winning a little bit, failing a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're doing more winning from, <laughs> from what I've heard. Do you have a beginning of the day routine? Yes, I do. I thought, so. I thought you would. Yeah. Um, I have a little five pound chihuahua that you heard oh, earlier, um, from Venice yeah. beach. She's a rescue. She's got an attitude and um, I love her though, but she's got an attitude and uh, she wakes me up or I wake up. I wake her up either way. We wake each other up. Um, and she immediately has to go out and, um, and then we have coffee and then we go on a walk. I mean, I feel like I need to get oh. out of the house um, in the mornings and yeah. the birds are like, this is usually at five 30. I left that out. The birds are crazy at five 30. Have you ever heard birds at five 30? They're really awake. Yeah. Like awake at five 30. Oh, in the morning. Yeah. They yeah. are very, yeah. They're it's dark, but they're, they're awake. They're so loud. I don't know if it's always, I've often wondered if it was just because the city is, is more quiet or if it's just because you know, that you can hear them better, but I don't think so because they're really loud. I think it's that the way. birds, you know, I mean, they, they're, they're not like us. They don't, you know, stay up past a certain day. You know, when it becomes dark, that's <laughs> yeah, they're when they in go bed, to bed. They're out. You know, they don't, 
Yeah. And they're they're not like us where it's like, oh, good, right? yeah, no, they got to greet really? the sunrise. Yeah, yeah birds don't do that. Yeah. Sun up, sundown. So that's, not a, that's, not, that's not a very good like businessy ritual that I just told you, but it's my, it's what do we do every day? But I feel like it's, it sets me yeah. in mind for business because I think if you just get out your own way, you know, if you, if you look at your phone, you jump, you jump right into your email, you jump right into your, no, don't do laptop. that. That's, that's like the worst thing you could do because then you're just, you become like a rat on a wheel and it's like, right. you, you can't be as productive. It's I, yeah, I try not to, for me, I, you know, I read affirmations and I meditate then I, you know, to, you know, it's like, okay, now I'm ready to, you know, look at the emails. Of yeah. Like what it's yeah. Gonna be like, you know, so that's your so morning routine meditation. You do that med- meditation, you know, reading, you know, yeah. Reading affirmations, reading it, writing in a journal, like I'll, get a dream or whatever. And I'd be like, Oh, I got to write about that. Or I'm not going to remember that. Yeah. And I'll write about that. It's kind of like the, what is it? The artist's way thing, except I'm not yeah. writing three pages, just writing one page. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I love that. I love that. I found that um, walking was, has gotten the yeah. part um, out. And then I go through the, I don't yeah, know. And then I will go to the gym and I'll, uh, and I'll walk, you know, just do yeah. a little light walk up, look at emails. <laughs> yeah, me, me too. You know, um, do you have a nighttime routine? Not really. Every day is different for me, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I do try to be, I, I'm listening to you talk about meditating and being spiritual. And I'm, I do that. I just don't have it on a routine. And I kind of like listening to you wishing that I did. I, I schedule it in whenever the feeling yeah. hits me and I got into that lack of a routine, maybe through COVID yeah. of just kind of wandering through whenever this feeling hits me, or this feeling hits me and having that flexibility to do whatever I want. But I think there is also something magical about having a routine. Like I had to do that yeah. with myself for writing. I had to put myself into a routine. I had to schedule it. Yeah. And every writer I've talked to told me, if you don't do that, you won't get it done. And um, yes, so I feel maybe like I need to do that. And listening to you about meditation, maybe I need to do that. I've got some meditations I can give you that will be um, that that don't take a long time. I mean, I used to try to do an hour and I was like, what am I doing? I'm like looking at the clock. This is not. (laughs) helping me you know if i would just feel like it would just be like a a test to try and i'm like this is painful i can't keep doing this and i, I did it for like a year really i was just like i was like i can't keep doing so now I can't you just keep making myself i mean i still do i still meditate but i guided. don't make myself meditate for like i would sit in that chair back there and just uh-huh put the headphones on and listen to Joe Dispenza's uh, work and put myself through it. And, you know, sometimes I would fall asleep in it because you would be so, you know, in such a meditative state, but I don't know. Now I kind of, I try to be more open about it. I mean, it's interesting. The pandemic actually gave me structure. I felt like I had no structure before the pandemic. So the pandemic made me like create structure of like, okay, all right, I'm going to do this and do this because otherwise I'm not going to do anything. Isn't you know? it interesting <laughs> just that it affected it. us exactly the opposite way? I guess because yeah. you work from home before. <laughs> hmm? 
you work from home prior the, to the pandemic? I what what happened was I was in New York and I just felt like nothing was going my way. And okay. I was starting to kind of get where I wanted to go. And then the pandemic happened. I was like, okay, what do I do now? You know, so then I just started, you know, reading books on, you know, self-help and, and meditation. And I came back down to Charlotte. Still got to go back up to, to New York. This, I like left all my stuff oh in my New York God. and just came down here. You know, my brother was down here and my parents and, I found myself more creative and I was able to kind of create this routine that put me in a place. I mean, I, I just finished a book called Deep Work by uh, Cal Newport. And uh, he talks about how, you know, you kind of want to have like that three hours of like really deep, deep work where you're just not distracted and you're really doing it. now the deep work can be whatever, but like, um, so I kind of try to do that. Mm -hmm. And like, just give myself that little bit of time. I mean, this I consider deep work because I mean, it's it's a lot of concentrated, yeah. a lot of it. I'm watching, every, I've watched it everything. I so think like, it is. Like yeah. af afterwards, I, I will be like, just don't touch me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just I, I think draining, I, you know? I was, um, I've always worked remotely. I mean, for the most part, there's a couple yeah. of times I didn't like Polar and the Nike job or um yeah the stuff and whatever but for the most part I've always worked on my own schedule and so the pandemic didn't change anything for me except for everybody else was doing exactly the same thing so things became yeah. like just yeah. chaotic in that sense that like I don't even have to do yeah. that I don't even have to go anywhere I don't have to do anything it got worse so then I was like well, yeah kind of do whatever I, you know I think yeah. it it made me just kind of do whatever I want, whenever I want on my own time, which yeah. a lot of times was also because I'm very creative from yeah. uh, 12 to four. I like being awake from 12 to four. And then yeah. I also like getting up at 430 or 530. So, that's <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> which means during the day, like yeah. there's got to be some sleeping in there. Uh, yeah, no, that that's that that's the hardest. That's what I'm trying to conquer right now. I bought um that Amazon Halo thing where it like measures yeah. your sleep. Yeah. Whatever. And like I saw like what I was sleeping and I was like, wait, I thought I was getting seven hours. Like, no, you're only getting, you getting five. And I was just okay. like, I just had to like step back and go, all right, I gotta change this. It's no wonder yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm not productive. <laughs> yeah, me too. So, I'm like I'm I was like a four. And then I, yeah. Oh, I love being up at night. Like that is, there's something about being up at night where it's just like, everybody's asleep and I can just, peaceful. Do my yeah, stuff. I love it. I love it. And I yeah. think for that same reason, I like getting up early. It's either four 30, yeah. five 30 depends on her, but I, yeah, love I wouldn't be getting up at four 30 if I went to bed at four. Yeah. Well, I don't go to bed at four every night. That'd be 30 <laughs> minutes. I get a big 30 minutes. Wow. That was a, that was a long sleep you had there. Yeah. These are different days, obviously. Yeah. Um, what are you, uh, what are you reading right now? Uh, I'm not reading anything right now. Um, I'm reading a bunch of scripts and, um, fun reading. <laughs> yeah, I'm re I'm re I've got a pile. I've like, I looked to the right. That's what I did. I was, I was like, why did I just do that? Cause there's a pile of scripts. Um, yeah. I'm behind a little bit. I do like to read. I do, I normally yeah. do like to read. And um, 
I always have something, but right now it seems like I'm so behind on a lot of client stuff that I need to yeah. get caught up on for the same reason that we both said we don't take meetings unless we've read the material. I've got yeah. meetings and I've got material that I need to read and yeah. read. And we're in some yeah, rewrites. Shut up. Like, um, yeah, I thought it was uh, good. Um, yeah. yeah. Did you read it? Uh, yeah, I kind of. Uh, I think literary management has changed me. I, skim, that I don't I read anything else. I just read scripts and projects all the time. But yeah. it, it's nice. No, that's what all managers say and agents. It's like, it's the same thing with casting directors. You just read. They say that too. Yeah. Yeah. reading scripts all day yeah it's, like, it's true uh, but I, I mean if you like it then yeah if you like it then it's it's fine yeah yeah this problem is when you're reading scripts that aren't good then now it's well i tell my now it's not fun <laughs> my uh, producers in um in la like if you get through the first you know 20 pages and you're miserable or even the first 10 and you're miserable yeah. like just put it down just give me a pass like just give me a pass coverage yeah. like don't waste your time i don't need to know what it's about if you hated it you know like if you really hated that it. that was uh horrible <laughs> yeah and then this guy does this and whatever yeah, i got this yeah that just pass like, uh, just go ahead yeah, and yeah that's pass. a pass what do you yeah. mean you didn't like it there, there, should be, just, there should be there should be a lane for hard pass. Be great, which is horrible. I, um, like, what are you listening to right now? Music wise, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that shouldn't throw me for a loop, and it does. I don't really. Know, it's hard when you get when uh, when you put it on the spot. It's like, what do I like? I like I know. music. <laughs> yeah, like Ed Sheeran was on the Today Show this morning. That was nice. Yeah, I don't know. I have. I've. I'm like. Um, do you like Taylor Swift? No, not really a Swift. No, really. No Swift. Are you a Swifty? I believe it or not, I am. Completely. You are? I am. Wow, I think it's really cute. I'm like, I mean, I think she I'm I'm in awe of her. Let me say that. I'm in awe. Yeah, of you were her. talking about somebody having her stuff together that wow to do all she's doing, that that stage show that's like three in, hours. Incredible. Like I'm and I heard that she performed like in the rain, the loud wherever she was the last time for hours and hours. She is amazing. She and change the song and do and do a song from that's that involves the rain. I mean, she's a consummate performer. Yeah, I think she's amazing. I just don't. I wouldn't, you know, feel yeah. right calling myself a Swifty because I don't know, <laughs> you know, I don't know a lot of her songs. I know some of them, like the big popular yeah. ones, but yeah. I don't. I don't follow her like that, but I think, am I in awe of her? Hell yeah. She's tremendous. Yeah. And the thing is like they were saying this morning, um, I was listening to Hoda uh, copy on the today show. And she said something that resonated with me. She said her, um, her fans feel seen. I thought that was really yeah. beautiful. Yeah, no, you can, t I, uh, what is it? Brendan, Kane or whatever who wrote a book about um social media he worked with her early on and he said even early on she it was all about is this something my fans want to do yeah so that's I think that's one of the reasons why she's continued to grow and you want to talk about somebody who also you know rebranded herself yeah For a minute there she was this and then she completely rebranded herself same thing you know yeah. same thing with Paris yeah you know, she took that time and and changed everything around. Um, what are you watching now? Oh my God, what am I not watching? I'm watching everything. I I really <laughs> love Silo. 
which is crazy because mm. I'm not a sci-fi person, but I fell into it and I try to watch everything that I, I mean, I'm always succession. I love succession. I'm so sad. That you, yeah. What'd you think of that? That was, oh, I'm so sad. I can't even handle the sadness. Like every time it's Sunday, I'm like, Oh my God. It's Spoilers. Not what did you, uh, yeah. What did you think of, uh, what'd you think of that ending? Did you, you've seen it, right? Yeah, I've seen it all. I just said spoilers. Um, you know, spoilers again. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, you know, show will be ruined for you. (laughs) Everybody wants to say something about it, right? Because you, because we're sad that it's over. Yeah. But I thought it was a great place to leave it. Yeah. What else do you do? You know, I tried to be critical of it for a moment, and then I thought, what's sort of critical? Like. Yeah. You feel his pain. You feel every, like they left it at a beautiful spot. I thought. Um, I just remember like watching it and like, I'm like, okay, there's 15 minutes left. Something's happening here. He's not getting that. Right. He's either going to have a huge fight and get the company or he's not getting the company because it's like, there's no drama here. If yeah he doesn't have something here and I'm like, we got like 15 minutes left. Right. Cool. Because we're so, <laughs> we've been so um, accustomed, right. To, to yeah. having big cliffhanger happened at the end because that's what you do and waiting for the net and i was waiting for something cliffhangery to happen you know like so that we're hanging on to the net because you think it's going to come back and then when i realized it was almost like that sadness (laughs) (laughs) it's really over like nothing but at least it wasn't like you know billions i think they've they've done enough i think they need to you know end the show you know, I got bored with Billion. Like and yeah, I, I think there's certain shows happened. like that. I get bored. I get bored with at a certain point. And I can't watch it anymore. I, I think I don't know. Succession. I was not I was not ready for it to be over, but the the creators really weren't ready for it to be to end there. But they saw it and they were like, "It's Tom." They were like, "Tom is going to be the he's the succession," and he did such a good job of playing. Of just like making you hate him and not hate him. And I thought Matthew yes. McFadden just, yeah, just, just nailed that duality. So I'm just like, I don't really hate him because I kind of understand where he's coming from. Right. He's so well written. And, and with the oldest brother as well. I mean, like, yeah, Kendall. Yeah. I mean, you felt you <laughs> wanted to like dislike him in so many ways. And then you feel his pain and, yeah. Like even the opening in the opening were all three kids and the hard, you know, the hard uh, piano tune and they all look at their father like that gets yeah. me every time. Like they all look at their father like that's what the whole show is about. They're looking at their father the whole yeah. time for approval. They're just they're jargoning and positioning for approval. And yeah. that's how it ended, too. They were still trying to figure yeah. out going to get that main spot and. I thought uh, Kendall was going when he like pushed the button for the elevator. I thought he was going to come back up to the top floor and jump off. The- I had a moment. <laughs> I had a moment of that, but then I thought, yeah. But it's a- really not the show. That would like completely. It would, that be would be like, a really crass ending. Yeah. <laughs> that would be like you know. Yeah. I think they did it. They did it in the right way. Was the yeah. Yeah. The the. I don't know. I don't know about the takeover, but. It 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 is kind of poetic justice that he wins. Yeah, I mean, always elusive with Shiv, you know, kind of pushing him down yeah. and emasculating him. Although it was kind of weird when he says to him, 
he's like, why should it be you? And he says, because I'm the eldest. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm the t- you know, it's like, like, it's yeah. like, you know, why do you say I'm taller than you? It's yeah. kind of like, but I understood in that moment, like he's about to go into panic mode. He's like, you know, seeing that shift there. Well, they were children again, right? Were they children yeah. again? Yeah. In that scene. They became children again. It was so, yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, anyways, thank you so much for doing this. This was, this was great. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was really fun. Okay. That about does it for this episode. I want to thank Amy Manning for her time. Please like, share, and subscribe, and consider checking out the YouTube channel. As always, you can find me at Justin Yachts, and I will see you next time on the DMF.